0: Lesson 12 for March 18-24 to 24, The Work of the Holy Spirit Sabbath Afternoon, March 18 Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this series of lessons, and we've learnt so much about the Holy Spirit, and a lot of that has been through the working of the Holy Spirit in enlightening our eyes and showing us what your Word actually says. As we've gained the knowledge, but also the experience, we just want to thank you for what you provide for us. As we open your word this week, continue to be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans fifteen 13. Let's read Romans fifteen thirteen again. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we come to the end of our study this quarter on the Holy Spirit and spirituality, we will focus on one other decisive work of the Spirit that has not yet received our attention. When Jesus announced to his disciples that he would go to the Father, he promised to send them the Holy Spirit. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. John 14.26 According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is a parakletos, that is, a helper, or comforter, or an advocate who intercedes for us. At the same time, Jesus also announced the work that this advocate would do. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment in John 16 verse 8. During our final week, we will study in more detail the specific work of the Holy Spirit. We also will learn how this work of the Spirit is related to two other important aspects of his ministry for us, our assurance of salvation and the glorious hope that propels our life as disciples of Jesus Christ. Sunday, March 19. Conviction of Sin Question, read John chapter 16, verses 8 and 9. What crucial work does the Holy Spirit do for us, and why is this so important? John 16, verses 8 and 9. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they do not believe in me. Jesus has called the Holy Spirit the paraclete, a word rich in meaning and one that conveys the idea of helper, advocate, comforter. The Holy Spirit does not enter into this important work of conviction as the accuser of the brethren or as our prosecutor. He is sent by Jesus not to condemn us, but rather he helps us see our need of grace. Only a comforter will be received as a helper. It is a great tragedy that Christians, however well-intentioned, often approach sinners with an accusing spirit rather than a helping one. If we go around pointing out sin in the lives of other people, then we do something that Jesus has not called us to do. After all, who are we to point out sin in others when we are hardly sinless ourselves? Question Read Romans chapter 2, verse 1, and Matthew 7, verse 3. What message must we take from these verses? Romans 2, verse 1, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. And Matthew 7, 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank, in your own eye. We are His witnesses, not His prosecutors. We are called to be witnesses of His redemptive power, not to condemn others for their wrongs. In trying to convict other people of their sins, we assume a work that is not ours. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Comforter, not us, who shall convince, in John 16 verse 8, The world of what sin really is. People who have not committed their lives to Jesus often have no real sense of what sin truly is and just how destructive it can be. The idea here is not that the Spirit will list specific erroneous acts. Instead, he goes to the most fundamental sin of all, unbelief in Jesus Christ as expressed in John 16 verse 9. Our deepest misery and alienation consists not in our moral imperfection but in our estrangement from God and our refusal to accept the one whom God has sent for the purpose of rescuing us from this condition. The fundamental problem of all sin is that we do not believe in Jesus and thus reject the only one who can save us from our sin and guilt. This is the sin that puts self at the centre of things and refuses to believe the Word of God. Only the Holy Spirit can open our hearts and minds to our great need of repentance and of the redemption that is found through Christ's death in our behalf. Monday, March 20, The Need of Righteousness John 16.8 said that the Holy Spirit will convict the world not just of sin, but also of righteousness. In other words, the world, which does not know what sin really is, does not know what true righteousness is either. Unconverted people imagine that external morality will suffice. They desire not the righteousness of God, but their own righteousness. They desire a righteousness that comes from their outward acts, such as obedience to the law of God. But our acts of obedience to the law can never justify us before God. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, the prophet describes all self-made righteous acts of the people of his day as filthy rags. Even our best religiously motivated, self-perceived righteousness is in fact the opposite, unrighteousness. But the righteousness of Jesus is sufficient for us. It meets all the claims of the law of God. It counts with God the Father. And we can claim it for ourselves through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Question read romans 5:10 and hebrews 4:15 and 16 how is our righteousness related to christ's living ministry in the presence of the father in heaven romans 5:10 for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to god through the death of his son much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life and hebrews 4 verses 15 and 16 For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The righteousness that is demanded by the law is fulfilled by Jesus' perfect life. He died in our behalf. Though rejected by those who have put him to death on earth, he was welcomed by the Father in heaven. By means of the resurrection, God the Father placed the stamp of his approval upon Jesus' life and redemptive work. Now Jesus lives to intercede for us, as we've just read, and he applies the merits of his death in our behalf because we do not have the righteousness needed for salvation. Thus... We can live because he lives in us. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. And that happens to be my favorite Bible text. When Jesus lives in us, we walk by the Spirit, as it said in Romans 8, 4, and receive new spiritual life through the power of the Spirit. As we read in Galatians chapter 3, verses 2 to 5, "'This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh?' Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith and galatians five sixteen to eighteen I say then walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that You do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The Father's exaltation of Jesus in heaven is revealed in Christ's powerful presence among us through the Spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, His disciples live in growing conformity to Christ. And so to finish today, have you experienced the reality of just how filthy your own attempts at righteousness really are? What does this teach you about your need of Christ's righteousness instead? Tuesday, March twenty one conviction about judgment question read john chapter 16 verses 8 and 11 what judgment is jesus referring to and why is this judgment good news john 16 verse 8 and when he has come he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged There remains one last great conviction that is part of the work of the Spirit, the conviction about judgment. Here is where much of our preaching on this passage seems to go in a wrong and harmful direction. Often a discussion of sin and righteousness seems to lead many professed Christians to pronounce a warning about the judgment on those who reject Christ. In doing so, they want to warn sinners, often with fearful overtones of the future judgment that awaits them. And though that judgment is a reality, this is not what Jesus talks about in John 16.11. The language indicates that the Lord is not talking about future judgment, as he did in John 12.48. Instead, the aspect of the judgment that Jesus now refers to is the good news that Satan has already been judged at Calvary. The devil, the great enemy of truth, is now living on borrowed time. Judgment will come, but the focus here is on an awareness that the prince of this world now already stands condemned. As we read in John 12.31, Now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Question. Read 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. How is Satan described by Peter? How can we resist him? 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The devil, knowing that his time is short, and that he has been fatally defeated at Calvary, is nevertheless still alive. And he is furious, trying to devour as many as he can. But he is a defeated enemy. Jesus has won the victory. The blood of Jesus makes us free. When, during World War II, the Nazi troops had received the decisive blow from the successful Allied invasion of France in June 6, 1944, it was clear that Hitler was defeated, yet the eleven months between D-Day, when the attack was initiated, and VE Day, May 8, 1945, when the war ended in Europe, were the bloodiest of all. Similarly, Satan knows that he was decisively defeated at the cross, yet he stubbornly fights and tries to devour as many as he can. In these challenging times, we are called to be sober and alert, and to cast all our anxiety upon Jesus, because He cares for us, as we read in First Peter 5, verses 7 and 8, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Why is judgment good news? Who is our surety in the judgment? How can we preach about the judgment in such a way that we instill hope rather than fear? Wednesday, March twenty-two, the assurance of salvation. Question: Read First John chapter five, verses twelve and thirteen, Romans eight fifteen to seventeen, and Second Corinthians five five. Once we have accepted Christ as our Savior, why can we have the assurance of eternal life? What is the basis for this assurance? First of all, 1 John 5, verses 12 to 13. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And 2 Corinthians 5 verse 5. Now he who has prepared us for this very good thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads sinners to Jesus. Jesus' substitutionary death has reconciled us with God. Jesus' forgiveness sets us free to live a new life as God's adopted children. Now we are no longer God's enemies, as it tells us in Romans 5.10, but we walk according to the Spirit, verse 4, 4 of chapter 8, and set our thinking on the things of the Spirit, verse 5. If we did not have the Spirit of Christ, we would not be His children and would not belong to Him, verse 9 but now we have the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He testifies to us that we belong to Jesus and that we are heirs of God and heirs with Christ, Romans eight seventeen, The same powerful life that raised Jesus from the dead is now active in us and makes us who were spiritually dead alive, as it said in Romans 8, verse 10. Even more than that, He also seals in our hearts the assurance that we truly belong to God. Having heard and believed the gospel of our salvation, we were sealed in Jesus with the Holy Spirit, who has given us a pledge of our inheritance, as it tells us in Ephesians 1 verses 13 and 14. Every believer may have this certainty, as we read in 1 John 5 verses 12 and 13. Question Read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. What does it mean to be sealed by the Spirit? Ephesians one thirteen and 14. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of of his glory. This is the hallmark of authentic faith. It is difficult to see how Christians can witness with convincing power without having such assurance. And a quote from the Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, April 16, 1889 Talk courage, talk faith and hope, and you will be all light in the Lord. Keep thinking of the open door that Christ has set before you that no man can shut. God will close the door to all evil if you will give him a chance. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up for you a standard against him. thursday march twenty three the Holy Spirit and hope question Read Romans chapter five, verses four and five, chapter fifteen, verse thirteen, and first corinthians thirteen thirteen How are love and hope related to each other? How is the Holy Spirit instrumental in giving us love and hope? first of all Romans five verses four and five, and perseverance, character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. And Romans 15, verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 13:13. 13, 13, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The Holy Spirit is the one who has poured out the love of God within our hearts. He connects us to God and makes God's love dwell in us. God's steadfast and unchanging love is the reason and the bedrock of our hope. Without love, there would be no hope. Only love generates hope. Because God's love is combined with His faithfulness, we have the wonderful hope that He will come again, and take us home to where he is. Question. Read Psalm 31 verse 24. What effect does hope have on us? Psalm 31:24 Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart all you who hope in the Lord. Hope inspires, hope gives new strength, hope lets us sing and be joyful. Hope is essential for life. Without hope What is the purpose of life? Having hope, however, is something different from being optimistic. The optimist thinks that everything will get better, the weather, the economy, the school grades, the finances, etc. Hope, instead, is not blind optimism. Rather, it is grounded in God's faithfulness and in the promises that he has given in the past. Hope believes that God will fulfill what he has said because he is faithful and true. God has proven to be dependable, and he does not waver. His steadfastness and truth are the foundation for our hope. No question, the foundation of our hope is found in Jesus on the cross. When we look to the cross, we can see in the most powerful way possible the reality of God's love for us. The cross, with Jesus dying for our sins, gives us and the universe an unparalleled revelation of just what our God is truly like. Thus, as fallen and temporal beings in a vast cosmos, we can find hope, not in ourselves or in whatever great things we accomplish, but in our God, a God who has revealed himself to us on the cross. And so to finish the day, how is the Advent hope grounded in God's faithful promises? How does hope influence our lives? How can we develop a lifestyle that reflects hope instead of despair? Friday, March 24. We can summarize the activity of the Holy Spirit by saying that the Holy Spirit works harmoniously together with God the Father and God the Son to accomplish our salvation. The Holy Spirit awakens us from our spiritual death. He leads us to an awareness of our sinfulness and opens our eyes to the fact that we are in and of ourselves lost. He kindles in us the desire for change and leads us to Jesus Christ, who alone can meet the needs of our innermost being. He gives us assurance of salvation because he always points us to Jesus and to what Jesus has done for us. He conforms us to be more like Jesus. He keeps us faithful in our walk with God. He encourages us to fulfil God's will and effectively engage in mission. He generates the written Word of God as our safe guide and norm for our Christian life and doctrine. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? What could we do without the Holy Spirit? We would be miserable and lost and could do nothing that would give God the glory and honour. Thanks be to Jesus for having promised and sent the Holy Spirit. Ellen White writes in Ye Shall Receive Power, page 13, The Holy Spirit was the highest of all gifts that He could solicit from His Father for the exaltation of His people. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. Dwell more on the questions of what is sin and what is righteousness Why should we as Christians who believe in the Bible as the Word of God have a different understanding of what sin and righteousness are than do those who don't believe in the Bible? What are those differences? What does the Bible teach us about sin and about righteousness that other sources do not? 2. Share with the members of your Sabbath School group what aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit has been most valuable to you. Why was it so important? And... How has this impacted your life? 3. In class, talk about the hope that we have in Jesus. What are the reasons for this hope? That is, if someone were to ask about the reason for the hope that is in you, as expressed in 1 Peter 3.15, what answer would you give and why? How convincing an argument could you make? And 4. The lesson this week talked about the question of assurance of salvation. What is assurance of salvation? And if we have it, why do we have it? On what must it be based? And how does it differ from presumption? Inside Story Our mission story this week brings us to the third part, the last part, of Something Beautiful. While I was at the rehabilitation centre, I spent a lot of time thinking about straightening out my life. I had committed some crimes while I was selling drugs, and this knowledge weighed on me. When I left the rehabilitation centre, I went to the police and confessed that I had driven a getaway car while a friend committed a robbery. During the robbery, my friend had killed someone, making me an accessory to murder. I was arrested and sentenced to five years in prison. My friend was in prison for life. Other prisoners treated me badly when they learned that my confession had put my friend in jail. It took a long time for them to accept me. While I was in prison, I asked a Seventh-day Adventist pastor to visit me. He came often, and we studied the Bible together. I accepted Jesus as my Saviour during this time. Other church members also visited me, and soon I had more letters and visitors than anyone, thanks to the spirit of family amongst the Adventist believers. I tried to pass the love that they showed me on to other prisoners when I could. Some of the prisoners were not Swedish citizens. They would serve their time without visits from loved ones. When the Adventists learned about these people, they visited them and helped them with practical needs, and when the prisoners left prison, the church members kept in touch with them. Some of these women asked, What kind of church do you belong to that cares about others like this? I was glad my Adventist friends followed through with their needs. Some of these prisoners joined a Bible study correspondence course, and others joined my prayer group. Now that they have been released, I pray that they will search for God. I had a check-up because of my heart problem. The doctor performed the test three times before he called in another doctor. He performed the test again, then asked me for my name. We were not sure you were the same patient, because your heart is normal size and is working perfectly. I see no health problems here at all. Your angina is completely gone. When I was released from prison... God provided work for me and a place to live. As I look back, I realise that God saved me from myself, saved my life from death, and then He made everything in my life so beautiful. This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harrell. It was recorded in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind. This podcast is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department and through the Services of Hope Channel.